Chris Landry joins us, draft expert. How are you, Chris? Tony, how are you? Are you behaving, or is just that a foolish question to even ask? Yeah, you know that. That's that's <laughs> that should actually that should automatically disqualify yeah. you from being on the show, Chris. For you to <laughs> that's bring right. That that's right. Why do you even ask that? I'm I'm I'm, I'm too. I'm too punch drunk from the draft to even know better. So, well, it's good to talk with you, man. Good to hear from you. You too, man. It's great to hear you again. And of course, you still be. It doesn't matter what's going on. How many drafts have you done now? So people know who don't know already of just how seriously you take this and how long you've been doing this. Well, my first my first draft I was ever involved in was as a part time scout in 1982, and uh, I was a young college coach at LSU, and then. Um, you know, I got into the NFL and uh, worked for years and years. And uh, we, you and I obviously got to know together. When I, my parents got ill and I, I left the Titans, the, the Oilers slash Titans, I moved back home and I did consulting work for NFL teams and still do that. And did, um, did some part-time stuff with the radio, with, the, uh, with you and, and others uh, at Fox Radio and other entities. And I'm still doing consulting work for teams, so it's been been quite a while doing it. And they've got the website LandryFootball.com where we provide that kind of a true NFL draft boards, which look different than what you see on websites. But kind of how many first round grades and whatnot. Just been since 1982. Been a been a long time. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned you still consult for teams. So people always think if a guy works for some teams, because we saw this in baseball with the Jessica Mendoza thing at ESPN. She was consulting for the Mets. And then so she would do games on ESPN on Sunday nights. Conflict of interest. Yeah, the whole conflict. Thing. You don't yeah. get any of that stuff because you're not telling people who to pick. You're just doing what due diligence, which is this is who I think the team's going to take and this is the best fit. Because we all know not everybody gets in the mock drafts. Solid, especially after the second pick in this draft. It looks like it's going to be wild and crazy, right? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, look, the, the reason why I've, I've continued to do is because it's allowed me to stay involved in a lot of aspects of football. So I do a lot of coaching search work. I do a lot of work with college programs on recruiting and evaluating and teaching college programs how to – uh, how to set up their recruiting board. And I do a lot of, uh, not, not so much this year with obviously no travel and the circumstances we're all dealing with, but I help a lot of pro teams with their scouts and the training and how to uh, properly set up draft boards and do things that we've done over the years. So it's a lot of that. And, no, it's not about, well, you know, let me tell you who you should take. The thing I always try to specify out of maybe a, you know a handful of players in every draft it's about how a player is going to fit or not fit into a scheme. It's like going onto a car lot. You know, if you're looking, if you're a soccer mom looking for a minivan, you're not going to be interested in the pickup. Just like the guy that's maybe on a farm that wants a pickup, not going to be interested in a sports car or a minivan. So it's understanding that like, this, this guy is a really good zone corner, and this is where he's got high second-round value but that's for a team that, you know, like a Seattle that plays with long corners, that plays a lot of zone. team that's going to play a lot of men is not going to really want that. And so all these stuff about that you see and read that, well, these are the best players at this position. Why did my team take this guy? He was rated so high on this. That's, that's fallacy. That's not real because it doesn't really fit. Do you want to do Chase Young can play for anybody. You know, a quarterback, you know, that's an elite guy can but a lot of guys, it's about how they fit or don't fit for their team. 
Chris, what do you think uh, is the best fit for Tua? You know, I think there are a few spots. I don't think there's one. I think that Miami, I think the Chargers, I think anybody that's looking for a quarterback to lead their franchise, he could be that guy. Now, in terms of is it going to be for any quarterback, two or anyone, the team that could do the best job around them, meaning building a team around them, weapons, uh, all those things are important. You can take the best quarterback and if you put them in a bad situation where you're changing coordinators every two, three years, you're changing head coaches and systems, you don't have good protection, you don't have good weapons at receiver, that guy is not going to be as good as the guy that's, that's maybe a lesser talent that is in better situations around them. So whoever is able to do that. But I think that you know Miami and the Chargers would be fits. I mean, I think Jacksonville, I think there's a lot of places. You've got to decide with Tua is – are you concerned about the frailty of his body? Do you think that his body makeup is going to be an issue staying healthy going forward? Not is he going to get over the hip injury. That's going to be fine. But is he, is he more prone to injuries than others? And that's where your medical staff has to make certain determinations. That's tough. And we all know they make mistakes, too. Drew Brees was thought of as a guy that was in the league that was not a good fit because coming off the shoulder injury. And by the way, it was not just the Dolphins doctors. It was Dr. James Andrews. You guys all know who he is. He's the guy that did the surgery on him and said, Nick, I don't. I would not sign him. Now, he kind of backs off of that now, but that just the doctors make mistakes too, and we never know. So, I think two will be fine. It's just whether he can have a long, doable career. That's the biggest question mark with him. Chris Landry, Chris Landry Football. It's LandryFootball.com, NFL scout. He has his mock draft, and you can get that. And we now are pretty much everybody's in consensus that we know the first two picks are locked in. Joe Burrow is going to go number one. And obviously, Chase as you mentioned, Young. Chase Young. I mean, the, the Washington Redskins should fold, cease operations if they don't take him at number two. <laughs> But the bottom line is, from three on down, it seems like most people are thinking that's where the whole thing can start moving as far as trading down, and Miami wants to trade up, and, you know, this team's going to trade down. Is that where you think this draft starts making the first move will be made at three? I do, because even though the Giants are in the same position, if you're a team like Miami, like the Chargers, if you want to secure a quarterback, so people have told me, well, why does Miami need to move up to get a quarterback? One will likely be there at five. Well, there might be. Which one do they want? They want one of the one more than the other of the two that are going to be available, assuming Burrow's gone one, as you mentioned. I think that's going to happen. So if you're Miami, yeah, one of them could be there at five. But is it a surety? I mean, is it could the Chargers move up to three and get them? Now, I say could move up. To four with the Giants. The Giants are having a hard time creating leverage for their pick right now because why would you move up to four if you can move up to three for basically the same price and prevent somebody from jumping you uh, into the third spot if you're there with the Giants? So the Giants are only going to have leverage if, if the Lions take their pick and the quarterbacks are still on the board. Then the Giants, I think, would have leverage in trade conversations. So you're dealing with a team like Miami that's trying to figure out, are we going to need to move up and we've got extra picks to do so? 
to secure our quarterback, or do we stay put? And do they prefer Tua? Do they prefer Herbert? There's some in the organization that prefer one over the other, and some see it the opposite way. So it's going to be interesting to see, and that's where the intrigue is going to start. Who's the first uh, wide receiver off of your board, and how early? I think it's probably going to be Jerry Judy, but it wouldn't shock me if somebody said, I love Henry Ruggs' speed a little bit more. Um, I think C.D. Lamb is good, but I think he would probably go second or third of that group and then Justin Jefferson. How early? Boy, I think it could be, you know, inside the top ten, but as I see a run on things, it could be around that nine-ish, tenth in that area, then I think that's where we're going to see the run. I think what we're going to see is, you know, the quarterbacks, and I think we're going to see uh, the Giants maybe take offensive line or an impact defensive guidelines will take one, uh, a, a defensive player. And, and the whole key is if the Lions can move back two spots and still get the, uh, the same guy they would take at three, that would be great. But then, you know, what would the Chargers do if, if they're not able to get quarterback? That might be interesting as well. So I would say that we could probably see it as early as 7-8. But in that range, I think, is where we're going to start to see the, the receivers uh, start to come off the board. Now, Chris, we still have three you know, top-name quarterbacks sitting out there without a job. And so do you foresee prior to this draft going on or even during the draft that those guys have to fit into some spot where the Cam Newton out there you know, even Joe Flacco, who's a veteran guy, obviously I don't know he's going to start anymore. But will teams take a flyer on those guys rather than take a risk with a quarterback that they may they may like but not love before they make a draft pick? Well, I think how it's going to play out, Tony, is teams obviously have guys that they would prefer in, that they may like in the draft. Some are not going to be able to get them. So what is that going to do for the veteran guys is the teams that are able to draft that guy within – Pretty much that's going to eliminate, um, you know, those teams for those uh, veteran candidates. But the ones that don't, then I think that's where the market's going to pick up for those players. It could happen during the draft. Absolutely we could see it. Uh, but not, not obviously uh, it's going to be tough, I think, in some cases, in a trade situation, you could get something done. But it is a little bit more complex to get a long-term deal done. So if it's a free agent, that's probably going to come after the draft. And if you don't get your quarterback, then that's going to give you the opportunity. We know that it's the combination of the draft coming and the fact that some of those guys, you've got to get a physical one like a Cam Newton. Well, it's tough to get physicals now, as we all know. So that's going to have to shake out there. I mean, you're not, you might be interested in Cam Newton, but what are you willing to pay him in upfront money before you get a physical? If you can't get a physical, then it's going to take a little while to sort that out probably after the draft. Chris, could the Philadelphia Eagles select a linebacker in the first round for the first time since 1979 when they took Jerry Robinson? Out of UCLA. Yes. <laughs> well, listen, anything's possible. Um, that's what's interesting. Certainly... I think there's going to be a good receiver there potentially, but yes, it could it could absolutely happen. I think it's look. I think this is the real key to drafting well, particularly on the first round. I've got 21 players with first round grades. I know you think, wait, Landry, there's 32 picks in the mm-hmm. first round. Yeah, there's 32 picks, folks. They're not 32 first round graded players. 
32 second run. It's not how it works. A player is graded according to a standard, and 21 is a sweet number because if you're a team like Philly, you're going to get one of those players. And I think actually with maybe a quarterback that may come off the board that may not be ranked that high but will still go off the board, I think people need to be cautious about plugging in a neat position as where their team might go. So my point is I think they're going to get a good player. I don't know at what position. It might be receiver. It might be a linebacker. But I think it's going to be a really good player that's going to help their team. The great Chris Landry breaking it down. So if people want to see your mock now, how many rounds? You do just the first two rounds? You don't do all seven rounds in a mock, do you, Chris? No, what we, what we do is we do it. We've got what we call a horizontal board, which is the best players regardless of position. You can see where there's separation, where there's first-round value, second-round value. We've got the vertical board, which is the position board as well. But you can go in and not only see where there's separation and see, oh, look, I mean, you know, there's, okay, there's five top receivers, but there's a drop after these guys. So it's not just the same as, well, number four is off the board. Go to number five. Well, number five might not be nearly as good. So you can see that and listen the real draft room style audio report with it so it gives you a really good feel for where the value is where the best players are and why and how it might match up with the team well i've always only put out a vertical board myself because i don't uh actually no i do a horizontal board i don't really do the vertical board very well but hey, that's, that's... I, I always recommend that tony you know, <laughs> if you're gonna do one just do the horizontal board i mean well, I have, the, your, I, yeah, I have a horizontal mambo. I have a horizontal mambo video out. Well, your scouting report indicates that your best work is done horizontal. Exactly right. right. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's right. Hey, bum, bum, thank you. Very good. Well, let me give you, you know one of Tony very well. Yes, he does. Harry and I have been partners for a long time. And, you know, that's one thing you always learn when you've been around me, even for like a week. You pretty much know what's coming. And that's what people that's want. Right. They don't want to be surprised. They no. want to know what to expect. Uh, oh, I love it. Hey, Chris. I absolutely love it. Uh, yep. Back to football for a second. Uh, you said 21 first-round players, or 21 players got first-round grades from you. Is Correct. Jordan Love one of those guys? No. No, okay. he's not. It, but, but he'll probably go in the first round, right? Yes. Yeah. And quarterbacks will always be overvalued. Overvalued, yeah. For a couple of reasons. All right, the importance of the position. The draft is like anything else, like free agents, it's supply and demand, right? Well, it's tougher to find quarterbacks. So if you want one and you think that Jordan Love, by chance, might have some qualities that maybe he could get you a poor man version of Patrick Mahomes, well, my God, you better take him in the first round. Here's the other thing. With a quarterback, like any other player you take in the first round, but with a quarterback in particular, in the first round you get a fifth-year option on it. So as you can develop a guy, you've got an extra year to develop him and decide whether you want to sign him to that, that, long, that, that long-term contract. So if you're going to consider a quarterback on the top of the second round, if you think that's where he's graded, well then, by all means, try to work your way to get into the late first round because it makes sense. You get that extra year. So even if it costs you a later pick, it makes sense. So if you like the guy and you think he's got a chance, and certainly you're in need of a quarterback now in the future, it makes all the sense in the world. So that's why I say you can look and see on the board, see where his value is, and also see, you know, that he, it gives you an idea where he might go. Because Ryan Tannehill, Joe Flacco, the Tony, all those guys were really, in my opinion, second-round value guys. But they're going to go in the first round. And, and you know what? I, don't, I, I think 
that's that's going to be normal in today's quarterback environment where you're going to need someone. Uh, always need a position. If you don't have one, you're going to be compelled to find one always. And you can't find them in free agency for the most part. And last thing from me, of course, and that is everybody talks about the position. Obviously, cornerback now is a super-valued position in the league because it's probably the toughest position to play down after down. And so we'll see a lot of that. those guys go. But is it a really deep cornerback draft this year? It is. It's a pretty good group. I think they've got, um, in my opinion, is the best, but I think you're going to see C.J. Henderson of Florida go. I think where the value is, though, is that early second-round value. So watch a couple of those guys go late in the first round. Christian Fulton of LSU, Jalen Johnson of Utah, that's a really good slot guy, A.J. Terrell from Clemson, and Trevon Diggs of Alabama, that, again, is one of those big, long zone corners. So man teams, no, uh, uh, you know, uh, other teams, yes, Jeff Gladney of TCU. All of those guys are high second-round values. So you're going to see some of them just by numbers have to bleed into the late first round. This is great stuff. I always get excited when I talk to Chris Landry year after year after year because it's not like, hey, I guarantee this is my draft, and if I get two picks wrong, I'll send you a million dollars. You know, it's just about sheer knowledge of players and team needs and the games. That's what this is all about, Harry. He's not Mason. a tout. You know? No, he's not yeah. a tout. He's a yeah. professional scout. That's why we always used to call him Chris Landry, NFL scout. Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. And you want to check his stuff out, you're not going to be this. He's not going to guarantee you that the top five guys are going to be this guy's. He just has the knowledge and the information. That's what it's all about. Chris, it's always great to talk to you, man. Glad we caught up again and glad to talk to you for the first time in a while. Oh, my pleasure. Good to be with you. And, uh, hey, don't, don't, don't be a stranger, man. Keep in touch. Take care. All right. There he is. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris, Chris, let's put your hands together here. That's good. That was a good segment. It's a kind of football. That's, that's the meat that we want on this show. Mm-hmm.